sour grapes. pocket. Good afternoon everyone. It's good to see all these smiling faces. It goes very well with the beautiful sunshine we're having today in Oklahoma. In spite of what we've had in other parts of the United States, my wife was telling me that, that they had more tornadoes last night and I guess today back east, Arkansas and other places. You know, we're, we've been very fortunate here in, in this part of the country in Tornado Alley that uh, we've, we've the, not bit the bullet, but we've escaped the bullet for for a while. Anyway, but our hearts go out to all of the people in our country and around the world. So anyway, when I started working on this message a few days ago, I had a, another title for it, and I, and I had it. It didn't make well. Anyway, it was uh, Passover is not group salvation. The longer I went along with the message, the more it shifted. Well, that's not a good title. And they always told us in speech club to uh, prepare your, to make your title last. So anyway, but sour grapes is where, where it actually ended up going. Some people believe that if they belong to a certain church or they believe a certain set of doctrines, they will automatically be saved. Some see that during the original Passover service, you know, in Exodus 12, verse 7, I'm not going to, I had that down, but I'm not going to give it, uh, Exodus 12, verse 7, that, that all the people in the, the house, uh, during that first Passover, you know, they had the blood sprinkled on the two side posts and over the uh, uh, head post, head uh, over the top, and everyone that was in that house was saved, you know, they didn't, they didn't death angel passed over them. So some people believe that, you know, if one member in the family is, is a good Christian and all that, then the whole family is. That's, you know, there's a lot of, lot of beliefs in different places. Some people believe that if their parents were bad or sin, that they too would suffer for the parents' sin. Some, some parents believe that they must pay for their son's sins or their daughter's sins. There's all kinds of things out here. I've even had people... Uh, friends of mine even had some relatives in the past years ago asked uh, is the problem I'm having they not me but is the problem I'm having because of dad my dad uh, or my mother you know some people think they automatically inherit their parents' curses God's word says that salvation is an individual thing a personal matter and not a group salvation matter. Today I'll spend a few minutes showing that salvation is a personal matter. I have a first scripture, just I'm just reading one verse over in Deuteronomy 24 chapter, Deuteronomy 24 and verse 16, breaking into it, I'm not taking the time to read before and after and all that, but the context of the words I want out. Deuteronomy 26, uh, I'm sorry, 24, 16. The fathers shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man 
And you can say every woman. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. So, you know, your wife, your husband, your your siblings, your parents, they're not going to answer for your sins. Here's an expression that we don't hear much anymore. Jeremiah 31, 29 to 33. And Ezekiel says that there's two or three other places that says it, but... I'm going to just hit a high, few highlights. Jeremiah 31, 29. In those days shall they say no more. No, we ain't going to do this no more. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. We don't hear that in modern day. But everyone shall die. And that's the context of what he was talking about. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity, for our problem, our sin. Every man that eats the sour grape, his seed shall set on edge, or his teeth shall set on edge. It kind of reminds me, this is totally out of context, but it, every time I read that, whether in Jeremiah or Ezekiel or wherever I read that, it, it reminds me of, of a situation uh, that's not totally in context of that, but when my second daughter was somewhere around two year or one year old, you know, however long it is when you get your two front teeth. Anyway, I was sitting in the living room, and I had a half a lemon sliced, cut in two, and put salt on it. And, and I like lemons. I still do it now, too. I love lemons, and uh, we'll buy them by the pack. But anyway, my daughter wanted her up in my lap, so I got her up there in my lap, and and uh, she wanted a bite of my lemon. She thought, I guess it was candy or something, and I just wasn't sharing with her. So she kept on, kept on. Said, okay, you little stinker. I didn't call her that, but anyway, you little stinker. Uh, go ahead, you know, if that's what you want, this is to teach you. So I gave her that lemon, and those two front teeth sunk down into that, and she could, you could hear her serpent on that. She didn't change a bit on her face, and but me. So I would just written my teeth, and I thought, man, how can she do that? Because I, I didn't do that. But anyway, it, it, it's not the same context, but it, it reminds me of that anyway. So so when I eat a lemon, sometimes I think about Jeremiah, so there's a correlation. Uh, then uh, in the modern vernacular, I guess you could say uh, that uh, if I put a lot of hot sauce on my food, my kid's mouth will burn. Then modern vernacular, you know, so they used to say that you eat a sour grape or your teeth will, you know, be on edge. But, okay, verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that, that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke. You know, they broke, the Israelites broke God's commandment of the covenant they had. Although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. Verse 33. But this shall be the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts. You know, you don't have to have it up on the stones. And write it in their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, a lot of times we will put little placards up or something. My wife even has some things in the bathroom, you know, 
something or other in Psalms. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and all that, you know. So if any unconverted people come by, they can see that. And not that they say, oh, well, they're religious, but it, it's a thought-provoking thing. But we don't have to do that nowadays. God will write, or has written it on most of our hearts. When we're uh, seeking God, uh, God's laws, God's ways are written on our heart. And I think the more, the longer we're around this way, the more we contemplate it, the more we study it, the more we see answered prayers, the more that this is written on our heart. I'm going to read Ezekiel's example of that, Ezekiel 18, chapter 18. And I'm doing it a little different. I, I didn't ask Brian ahead of time if he uh, had the living Bible on his computer back there. I don't know. He's done some other things on there, and I assumed that he had it. So I checked with him, and he had to, had to get in there and, and order the thing. So I thank you, Brian, for doing that. Uh, you can read it in the uh, King James or whatever version you do, but I'm going to read uh, the, the Living Bible. It just kind of puts it in a little more modern language. And But if you want to follow in King James, that's okay too. Ezekiel 18, verse 1. Then the, then the Lord's message came to me again. Why do people use this proverb about the land of Israel? The children... The children are punished for their father's sins. As I live, saith the Lord God, you will not use this proverb anymore in Israel, for all souls are mine to judge the fathers and the sons alike. And my rule is, it is not, no, it is for a man's own sins that he will die. We'll die for our own sin. Verse 5, but if a man is just and does what is lawful and right and has not gone out to the mountains to feast before the idols of Israel and worship them and does not commit adultery nor lie with any woman during her menstruous if he is merciful if he is a merciful creditor not holding unto the items given to him for pledge by the debtors and is no robber but gives food to the hungry and clothes to those that are in need. And if he, you know, all these good things that even Jesus talks about, you know, if you've done these things, you've done it to me. It says, and if he grants loans without interest, stays away from sin, is honest and fair when judging others, and obeys my laws, that man is just, says the Lord, and he shall surely live. And look at verse 10. But, converse to that. But if that man, and it's been a good man most of his life, but if that man has a son who is a robber or a murderer and who fulfills none of the, his responsibilities, who refuses to obey the laws of God, but worships idols on the mountains and commits idolatry, oppresses the poor and helpless, robs his debtor, debtors, by refusing to let them redeem what they have been given him in pledge, loves idols and worships them, and loans out his money with at interest, shall that man live, even though the, the, the father was a good, righteous, just man, but the son is a horrible thing, shall that man live? 
No, he shall surely die, and it is his own fault. Verse 14. If this sinful man has in turn a son who sees his father's wickedness, you know, a lot of, a lot of children in the same family will see examples of, of their, their older siblings and to see the consequences of that. I don't want to go that way. I know, uh, and, and I know of grown-ups now that seen their parents that were alcoholics or abusers or something, and they've seen that and, and analyzed it and just said, this is not for me. So, but anyway, this is kind of a situation, but I'll start over again. But if this, if this sinful man has in turn a son who sees his father's wickedness so that he fears God and decides against that kind of life, he doesn't go up to the mountains to feast before idols and worship them and does not commit idolatry. He is fair to those who borrow from him and doesn't rob them, but feeds the hungry, clothes the needy, helps the poor, does not loan money at interest, and obeys my laws he shall not die. So even though he was a bad person, uh, because his father, oh, he shall not die because of his father's sins. He shall surely live. But if, this, but if his father shall die in his own sins because he is cruel and robs and does wrong, what, you ask, doesn't the son pay for the father's sins? Some people actually think that. No, for the son does not. No, no, for the son does what is right and keeps my laws. He shall surely live. The one who sins is the one who dies. You know, cause and effect. The son shall not be punished for his father's son sins, nor the father for his son's sins. So, if we have children that that have problems, you know, we help them, but it's not our fault. You know. The righteous person will be rewarded for his own goodness and the wicked person for his wickedness. But if a man, or if a wicked person turns from all his sins and begins to obey my laws and do that what is just and right, he shall surely live and not die. All of his past sins will be forgiven and he shall live because of his goodness. That, that doesn't mean, you know, a lot of people in some of the churches say, oh, well, you're trying to work yourself into salvation. You know, it's, it's not work. It's, it's different. It's totally, you know, we can uh, be a good Christian and, and turn from our ways too. Or we can be a sinner and repent and, and have all of our sin forgiven. That's New Testament teaching. And this is Old Testament here. Verse 22, oh, 23. You think I like to see the wicked die? Asked the Lord, of course not. I only want him to turn from his wicked ways and live. And don't we want that for America? You know, and I think sometimes we're, we're almost a bigger problem as, as the world is. You know, we can't get self-righteous. And I know a lot of the prophets would say, you know, we, you know, Jeremiah and Isaiah, some of them sometimes would say, we have sinned, you know, included himself. But a lot of times we see the world the way it's going, what they're teaching in schools and what they're allowing in public and what they brag about and the sins that they try to get us to partake in and, and try to get us to uh, okay and not be bigoted and biased and prejudiced. But anyway, however, 
if a righteous person turns, turns to sinning and acts like any other sinner, should he be allowed to live? And I don't mean that we're going to go out and kill these people either. This, this, uh, God's vernacular. No, of course not. All his previous goodness will be forgotten and he shall die for his sins. Verse 25. Yet you say the Lord isn't being fair. Listen to me, O my people of Israel. Am I the one who is unfair? Think God's unfair? Or is it you? When a good man turns away from being good, begins sinning, and dies in his sins, he dies he dies for the evil that he has done. So it's his fault. And if a wicked person turns away from his wickedness and obeys the law and does right, he shall, sa he shall save his soul. Of course, God saves us, you know, and um, this, this is not that we're working ourselves into it, but this is part of it. You know, we've got our part to do with, with repentance. He shall save his soul, for he has, for he has thought it over. You know, he's pondered about it. It's been like sometimes when you see these uh, preachers on TV or others, you know, they'll, they'll, they're, they're building up to get you to come down to the altar, and that's okay. Uh, but anyway, but they usually think it over. They're sitting there thinking, you know, and then the preacher gets on. Uh, I don't know that that's the case, but anyway, for he has thought it over and decided to turn from his sins and live a good life. He surely shall live. He shall not die. And yet the people of Israel, and yet the people of Israel keep saying, the Lord is unfair. You know, for some reason they just keep on trying to excuse himself. God's not fair. Oh, people of Israel, it is you who is unfair, who are unfair. I will judge each of you, O Israel, and punish or reward you according to your own actions. Oh, turn from your sins while there is time. And I'm hoping our country will do that. And, and a big part of the world, I hope that we can uh, look and see what the uh, God says in, in the proper way instead of just being taking the easy way out and doing what is uh, harmful to us. Put them behind you and receive a new heart and a new spirit. For why will you die, O Israel? I do not enjoy seeing you die. The Lord God says, turn, turn, and live. Got a couple more scriptures. Uh, I had those printed out. I'm going to have to read this out of my own Bible. Uh, Ezekiel 37. I'm sorry, 33. He's saying pretty well the same thing, but uh, God repeats things quite a bit. Ezekiel is saying what Jeremiah had just got through saying. Uh, Ezekiel 33, verse 7 through 19. So you, O son of man, I have set you a watchman into the house of Israel. Therefore you shall hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. And we do have some uh, witnesses, some uh, warning, some watchmen have had for years saying what's going to happen. And I think in a lot of ways uh, some of the preachers that we've heard years ago, a lot of the things are, are coming to pass and a lot of things have come to pass 
and uh, some of it's worse than I thought it would be. But anyway, when I see, when I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, if you do not turn, if you do not speak to the warn the wicked. So if you're, if, you know, if you have the ability to, to warn people as a watchman, the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. If he don't turn, okay, but his blood will I require at your hand. So I think in some ways, a lot of ways, the church has a responsibility to preach the gospel however we can, powerfully. Uh, there are a lot of different ways of doing it, but uh, I think in a lot of ways God has had a lot of churches to be a watchman, to preach the gospel, to tell what God does. And of course, it's always up to us to live the proper example too, because you see uh, some religious people that are just as bad as anyone else. But anyway, nevertheless, if you warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he does not turn from his way and he die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. So we've done our job. And just like one of the ministers said years ago, says, I can preach the gospel every day on the radio and TV, and they don't have to believe it, but I really would like for them to. I've done my job, you know, but I really would like for them to do it. And I've seen some of them really improve a great deal when they come to that conclusion that, you know, I've got to do the best I can to have these people to realize that there's a better way. Verse 10, Therefore, O you son of man, speak unto the house of Israel. Thus speak you, saying, If our transgression, if our transgressions and our sins be upon us, and we pine away, you know, we allow it, and we just keep on lackadaisical going the same way in them, how should we then live? Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And we don't have pleasure in people that, you know, have problems and that, you know, get hurt and all that, even though they're being hurt and doing sin. But that wicked person, or that but that the wicked turn from his way. And we want to turn from our way. This is the Passover season, and we're supposed to examine ourselves. But that wicked person turn from his way and live. Turn you, turn you from your evil ways. You know, please turn from your way. For why will you die, O house of Israel? You know, America doesn't have to go the direction that we're going right now. We don't have to go to where it's headed right now. You know, we may even, I don't want to be too negative, but, you know, our, I think our Constitution has, has been abused and, and we could end up losing it altogether. I sure hope that, that the younger people don't have to go through a dictatorship like some countries do. You know, I may be dead. I've been looking for some of this stuff for, you know, 50, 60 years, knowing what some of the Bible probably say. I really don't like what I see. I really don't like what I see. You, We have a beautiful, wonderful country. I mean, just a fabulous country. You know, all the resources, the different geographic regions. We just, you know, when I work for, I was at the Home Depot a few days ago buying a part for my uh, sink, I mean, for my shower. And a little old gentleman up there, he looked kind of like Fauci, <laughs> but he had a mask on, you know. 
and he he came in. He was just hadn't even talked in yet. He'd been in, uh, started helping me, and he was advising me for about 15 minutes off the clock. But anyway, point is, he said I'm from a third world country, and he said we didn't have plumbing like this, and this is what we had to do. And he said I love America. He loved America. And a lot of people we see that come from other countries, they see the direction we're going. They love America. Why do we do that? Why don't we just do the, the things that, you know, should be? Verse 12, Therefore, you son of man, say unto the children of, of, my, of your people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. So if we start running around with the wrong people or getting... Uh, somebody on the job and getting too, a little too friendly with maybe one of the co-workers or something, the opposite sex, you know, I don't care how good we've been in the past, that's a danger thing, and, and we're not going to be, uh, uh, in the day that we sin, if we go that far, we're not going to live for that, how good we've been in the past. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turns from his wickedness. So anytime a sinner changes, you know, the angels in heaven are sing for joy every time one sinner repents. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. And neither shall the righteous be able to live for his unrighteousness in the day that he sins. I know I'm being a lot redundant here, but I, <laughs> I want one point to get through. Two points. <laughs> When I say unto the righteous that he shall surely live, if he trusts to his own righteousness and lets down and gets lackadaisical and, and, uh, and commits iniquity, all his righteousness shall not be remembered, but for his iniquity that he has committed, he shall die for it. And of course, that's if, if he doesn't repent, you know, definitely repent. God knows if he repented. And we have the Passover coming up, and that's one reason I'm Getting into this, it's a little different direction, but it still, I think, has to do with examining ourselves. Verse 14, again, when I say unto the wicked, you shall surely die if, no, you shall surely, say to the wicked, yeah, you shall surely die if you turn from your sin and do that which is lawful and right. If the wicked restore the pledge, give to, give a, Again, that he had robbed, walk in the statutes of life without committing iniquity. He shall surely live if he shall not, he shall not die. None of his sins that he has committed. You know, and other scriptures say our sins are been taken away as far as the east is from the west. And when we repent and deeply repent, those sins are gone. We might think about them. We might have thoughts about them occasionally, but they're gone. None of his sins that he has committed shall be, shall be mentioned to him. Jesus will not bring it up. God will not bring it up in the judgment day. He has done that which is lawful and right, and he shall surely live. 17. Yet the children of your people say, The way of the Lord is not equal. But as for them, their way is not equal. Verse 18, when the righteous turn from his righteousness and shall even righteousness and commit iniquity, he shall even die. But if the wicked turn from his wickedness and do that which is lawful and right, 
he shall live thereby. So it's just plain, you know, good and bad, Satan's way or God's way. One more scripture. Come over in Revelation and uh, context of this is talking in uh, to the angel to the seven churches, or, and um, this is not to uh, bring up. Uh, the reason I'm saying something that church, some of the churches used to teach that uh, these seven churches were, were were church eras. They happened in time, sequence after sequence, and and for the most part, no two twins lived together. And and uh, the Laodicean church that was the one that was pretty well at the end, and they got lazy and and. And all of some of these other churches are, are now their latest sin. They don't belong to our corporation anymore. They, they still teach the same thing. But anyway, that's erroneous. But anyway, but I'm going to read what, what it says in Revelation, third chapter. Yeah, verse, four, verse 14 through 22. So this, this, and remember, each one of these, when we read through Revelation 2 and 3, and you talk about the seven churches, it says, He that has an ear. Hear what he says to the churches, not just to that one he's talking to, but we listen to whatever the angel is saying to all of the churches. 13 verse, or 3 verse 14. And to the angel of the church of later sins write, these things says the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I would not that you were cold or hot, so that, so then, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew you out of my mouth, because you say, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Sometimes we get that way. God has really been good to me, you know. I'm slacking off on Bible study. Well, I don't think I'll go to church this time. You know, I'll do the other thing. I want you know, uh, I, you know, I, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I, I don't need to study so much. I don't need to pray so much. I don't need to uh, help out the neighbors. And know not that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in fire that you may be rich and white raiment that you may be clothe and that the shame of your nakedness do not appear. And anoint your eyes that with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke. So, you know, we don't want to be rebuked. We don't want to be corrected. And other scriptures say, you know, uh, don't despise the correction of the Lord. God does correct. And I know there, I've, I've heard other Christians and at times say that my God, he don't punish people. He's not mean to people. Well, uh, if a father loves his children, he will he will repent or she will uh, rebuke her children. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door. You know, God's Jesus is standing right now at all of our doors. He knows exactly what's going on in our lives. And if our conscience prick us, so be it. Good, that's really great. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
If any man hear my voice, you know, whether he's a sinner and never been to church or not, if he hears his voice, if a man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. All we have to do is ask. And we'll sup with him and he with me. To him that overcomes, and this right along with the line we were saying a while ago, a sinner that repents. To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father at his throne. He that has an ear, or she that has an ear, and most of us have ears, and if you don't have hearing aids, uh, or if you do have hearing aids and you don't hear, turn them up a little. I turned mine down a little while ago because I talked too low when they're up high. And, uh, but anyway, that he that has an ear, or a good hearing aid, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And hear what uh, God said to Ezekiel and Jeremiah and other scriptures and David. And there's so many, so many places that we can look to see that. And that God is fair. God loves every one of us. He loves all of the little children. He loves the little kids down here. And I don't see any babies in here, but God loves the babies. And uh, God does not want to see anyone suffer and to have pain and misery. But like he said, repent therefore and uh, anyway, but repent and have a happy Passover. <laughs>